Welcome to the Overreact Podcast Season 2. In a society that puts women in a box. Let's overreact. Let's overreact. I'm your host, Monica Mohoya. I'm your host, Angela Wamboy. And I'm your host, Lash Angela. Welcome back. If you're listening for the first time, this is the Overreact Podcast. And for those who are subscribed, we want to say thank you for continuously overreacting with us. Check out where you are. Feel the vibes. Brace yourself for an interesting, enriching conversation. Um, women in leadership boldly breaking the glass ceilings. Those are the type of conversations we'll be having in this season. And to do this successfully, you must be willing to speak out, challenge previous system, and be willing to work at creating the change you desire to see. I love what Greta Thunberg uh, once said, the environmental activist. She said, we cannot solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis. And if solutions within the system are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself. And she said it. And as promised, we said uh, season two is going to be all bigger, more impactful, empowering as women leaders share their experiences in diverse fields, redefining leadership today. We want you, our listeners, to be inspired by their journeys. And as we know, women leadership in Africa and beyond. Today, we have a beautiful young leader who is all the way from Tampa, Florida, from US of A, doing incredible work in the space that is very dear to us. And that's menstrual health. Yes, you know, and recent leaders have been calling for health equity for women globally in Africa and beyond, highlighting issues such as menstruation. And one of my very favorite poets, Rupi Carr, who is a Canadian-based poet. She's mostly known for poems on love, loss, abuse, femininity, and menstruation. Uh, So in 2015, she posted a picture of herself laying on her bed in a tracksuit pants that were stained with period blood on Instagram. So the app deleted the picture, which prompted her to take... (laughs) As expected. Oh, mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, so, you know, the app deleted her, her post. So she went on to Facebook and wrote an impactful post about the incident. Uh, and I quote, I will not apologize for feeding the ego and pride of misogynist society that will have my body in underwear, but not be OK with a small leak. She goes on to say the patriarchy is leaking. Their misogyny is leaking. We will not be censored. Ooh. So, you know. Time went on and her post formed a gateway for conversations around many stigmas that society holds about menstruation. And later on, Instagram apologized and email uh, for removing the posts and later on restored the image. So why is it that, you know, we can see women in skimpy clothing and all that, but when she has her natural menstrual cycle, that may, you know, she has her oops moment. Why is it such a bad thing? Because we live in a society that just wants a sense of perspective perfection when I read that I was so just like oh my god like when are we gonna just get over it it's a normal thing like um there's a lady that I follow that I admire because she's really out there with trying to break the stigma and that's Nadia um and I think if the more comfortable we get to seeing blood um in a period form maybe the more comfortable we can to have this conversation and this is amazing to have Anya um uh, who's 16 um welcome she's from Hillsborough High School in Tampa Florida is an avid sports player a youth advocate to enable change in the community and globally um I want to give you this opportunity to welcome you and why don't you just introduce yourself Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Anya Patel. I am a 16-year-old youth advocate, like Lush said, from Tampa, Florida. And I 
just a few things about me first is that I've been playing the flute for six years and I've wow. been playing volleyball for the past four years. So I love music and I love sports. I'm also the founder of Global Girls Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization that provides free menstrual hygiene products to youth and students in underserved communities. That's awesome. What inspired you to like follow into a leadership position? You know, most people have this idea that you need to be, you need to have had a career, you need to have a degree and there's no age limit. And that's why like I quoted someone like Greta, like it doesn't matter. It just what, what's, what inspired you? What was your passion? What was the fire under your belly, so to speak? So I wasn't aiming to become a leader. I didn't have that in mind. It just kind of happened. So my school requires some service hours and looking for that, I joined this global virtual forum that needed some interviewers to interview grassroots menstrual hygiene activists from all across the world. And I got to interview this one activist from India, and she was the first one who taught me about what period poverty was and how, you know, so many girls are missing out on their education because they don't have access to such a basic hygiene necessity and how only 36% of girls in India have them. You know, this really broke my heart to, you know, hear that such a small percentage of girls have access to this. And I kind of got curious about what the statistics were like in the United States. I was like, it's probably a very, very minute issue, nothing big at all, because we're such a developed country. But it was shocking to hear that one in five girls miss school due to a lack of access to period products. I reached out to my school nurse and she told me that they had um, run out of period products a while ago and had no way of replenishing them. And this is within your school? Yeah, this is within my school. And that is when I realized that, you know, period poverty isn't something that's only within third world countries, within my country, within my state, but it's right here within my own community affecting girls that I know and people that I know could be suffering from this. And I wouldn't even know that. Yeah, that's very true. Amazing. You've had a chance to like share your story in different forums. You've been interviewed in articles and news channels. Um, How do you um, tend to feel like you need to represent yourself as a young leader like what are some of the things um you prep or prepare is it the message that you want to you know share or as I say tactics and tips (laughs) Uh, um I just go out there and I want to spread my message about how period poverty isn't something that's very widely and commonly known and it is a big issue that's affecting girls education on their physical health but also their mental health their confidence their self-esteem and their ability to play extracurricular activities like music and sports Um, i also try to give out the message that just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't make a difference when i started i only had a goal of making 5,000 period products to donate to my school And honestly, I didn't even know if I could make it to that goal. And I got so much support from my whole Tampa Bay community that it just got to 50,000 menstrual hygiene products. We love to see it, especially a young leader like yourself uh, impacting your community and also taking the message global because Global Girls Initiative is a 510C uh, nonprofit uh, whose mission is to provide uh, menstrual hygiene products and education for um, underserved uh, students, uh, women and youths. Through your uh, initiative, uh, namely period 
uh, periods during the pandemic. And I think that's the first time I saw your article on LinkedIn. It's a young girl who is donating uh, products uh, during the pandemic um, period. So uh, tell us the impact of your leadership in the menstrual hygiene space and how you ensure the four pillars within the Global Girls Initiative are met. Uh, number one, hygiene education, improved health, confidence building and lasting self-esteem. So how within Global um, Girls, how are you able to enforce that uh, with your work as a leader? So I have two different types of programs that I do. Um, the first one is our Kindness Matters program, and that's where I do all of my donations out of. And that helps to do the improved health because we're giving them menstrual hygiene products so that they don't have to use, you know, unsanitary products like old towels, socks, paper towels, all that stuff that can really damage your physical health. And then also we do hygiene education, which is teaching girls about their menstrual hygiene cycle and how to manage it. Because a lot of the times um, it's such a stigmatized topic that parents and teachers don't really teach their kids about what it is. And they're taken by surprise when it first comes and they have no idea how to manage it. So by giving them that education, they are more empowered and they feel more confident with their cycle and their period. Lovely. I'm just blown away by your ambition as a young person. So let's talk about girls' rights in USA and Africa. We want to know what's your view, because statistics show that in the U.S. that one in five girls miss out on school due to lack of access to period products. 75% of those playing sports during puberty believe that sports positively impacted their future career, yet nearly half of the girls drop out of sports during puberty, and one in four young people don't know why some people get periods and how to manage them. So what are what are your thoughts around that? You know, it was really, really shocking to hear this because when I think of America, I feel like it's just everyone is privileged. Everyone has everything. No one really has any struggles. But when you hear this in such a developed country, you hear that 20% of girls are missing out on school and that 75% are dropping out of sports. All of these different things that, I don't know, it's just really shocking and heartbreaking to hear all of this, that girls don't have, you know, the essentials that they need to live their life and reach their full potential. You said um, off air that you, you know, you had an opportunity to go to your, where your family's from in Nakuru. And uh, what was your experience there when you had a chance to connect to the home, children's home? Yeah. So I got to donate 3000 menstrual hygiene products to the Lions Club of Men and Guys Children Home. And this was my first time in Kenya actually getting to see what it was like in villages and what it was like outside of the U.S. dealing with period poverty. It was really an eye-opening experience, honestly, seeing how, you know, life is so much different from the U.S. and how these girls are, I don't know how to say it, like adapting to their life here in Kenya and how they have to add not having period products on top of like all of their other struggles. Mm, yeah, I guess it puts a lot of reflection and I guess it's, do you think that's gonna, has it helped like how you now want to perceive how you go about going back, what you want to achieve within your organization? Has it helped change certain aspects around what you want to do? I think I definitely want to continue what my mission is, but I want to focus a little bit more on those really, really targeted underserved communities. That was my goal 
that's part of my mission statement. But I really want to go deeper into where it's really needed mm. because seeing it here, I can tell that they really needed it. They didn't have access to these products. And I want to go back to the US and find places like that that could really use my help. I love that. So according to UNICEF, every month, uh, 1.8 billion people across the world menstruate. Um, I believe everyone in this room is in that boat. 500 million from the, that data lack access to MHA products and facilities, as you just highlighted, Anya. One given day, more than 300 million women worldwide are menstruating. 300, like just... 300. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know if I, if I can name 300 people, let alone 300 million women. Um, and an estimated 355 million of women, or million of menstruating women in India. And then the last time my research was done uh, within Kenya, they said about 65% of women and girls are not able to afford sanitary pads. So there has been an in- incredible progress on the MHM policy, which since our government launched, so that was from 2019 to 2024. And so the idea is to provide a medium uh, term framework for both state and non-state actors at the national and county levels to implement the menstrual hygiene policy. So with what I've shared and uh, with what you're experiencing and what perhaps you know so far of what's going on in, in the US, what would you say, what's your view on our policy within Kenya in terms of menstrual justice? Well, first of all, I'm very impressed with the initiative that the Kenyan government is taking to address this very important cause. I think the main difference is that in the United States, um, a lot of stuff is being done on a state level instead of a federal national level. Like a few states in the U.S., like I bet there's about five, maybe more, New York, California, Illinois, those states have made period products free, but a lot of other states are still facing the tampon tax where they're still being taxed for period products. So I think change is a lot harder to implement across the country as standards for care and rights vary so much. And that positive change will end up taking a lot more time to reach the girls that truly need it. Question. I've been reading a lot of news around period products shortage. Is your state affected? I think that a lot of people are affected. Me personally, I'm so privileged to always have period products with me. I'm so fortunate to be able to afford it. But I know that it's definitely hitting a lot of families that really need it. Oh, you're such an inspiration. We love to see it and everything that you're doing. Um, You know, there's a lot of global momentum that's happening within the menstrual health space. There's this new thought leadership and creative uh, campaigns that are raising awareness around uh, menstrual justice. Um, For example, I want to highlight a U.S. designer who was using artistry to um, do menstrual activism through the campaign called uh, Beauty in Blood. We've also seen in Kenya, there's a lady called Mika Hadid. She was actually awarded by a Florence Nightingale Medal for her fight in the against spirit poverty, especially in Tana River, one of the most poverty-stricken community where girls even sit on a whole. As in, the stories from that county are heartbreaking, heartbreaking rather. And then we have our very own and our ally, our good friend Janet Mbogwa, who is one of the authors of the book My First Time Stories and the founder of Inuadada. And ah, the three, the trio. Uh, we are running something called Heels for Pat. So why do you think advocacy needs to take a new way? I mean, a new angle. And why do you think the new thing around advocacy for menstrual justice is important? You highlighted about kindness matters, uh, learning with dignity workshop and period awareness with dignity and self-esteem, P-A-I-D-S. So why do you think these new creative campaigns and way of advocacy matters now? 
would they change how we view menstruation? Would they help us to achieve better? Yeah, so times are definitely changing, especially with technology growing, you know, so rapidly. And advocacy does require new ways of thinking because there's new ways of spreading information. Mm-hmm. Advocacy nowadays requires, you know, the adoption of social media to gain a larger group interaction and connect with a greater audience of people. So that makes it so much easier to spread your message to a great amount of people from all across the world, not just in one area. Yeah, I read an article, um, even the bigger organization like the UN, they said the power of social media in terms of calling for social justice is true. And I mean, it's very strong. So we just need to to kind of reframe how we do our messaging on, across all social media platforms. Uh, personally, I feel like we've done that with our Heels for Pads ladies. Mm-hmm. And we are still, um, you know, pushing that hard because of the social experiments we do, the spaces we are uh, in. And yeah, we can't wait to see what happens. I have a question, Anya. So one of the things that we advocate, especially like for me, it's one of my driving force. So my first time, I started my periods with my dad. And um, for those who are listening, you won't know, but Anya came with her parents. And so it's nice to see that... um, that your parents are supporting you. Yes, it's normal for your mom, but what does it mean for your dad to be here and support you in your journey of wanting to, you know, push forward this agenda around period poverty? Honestly, it means the world to me because my dad has always been so supportive of periods. Like I've never had to only go to my mom if I needed a pad. He's always been so open with it. And I didn't realize how lucky I was until I realized that other girls, they can't even talk to their dads about it. And I also wanted to give a shout out to my grandpa because when I was because <laughs> when I was donating to the Lions Club Children's Home, he was the one who actually took me to the store, gave me the money to buy the pads. I love oh my hi grandpa! Bridging <laughs> the generational gap as Ex- well. That's that's powerful. Wow. Amazing, amazing, Anya. Um, I'm really, really enjoying this conversation with you. So we're just going to switch gears real quick. And we want to talk about, we've been talking about bridging the gap in access. So let's talk about dispensers in school. Do you think this is sustainable or you think it's like a good long-term solution? Um, In your experience working with school boards, you install menstrual hygiene dispensers in schools. Uh, From your experience, we want to know, is that working? And is it the new way of bridging access? when it comes to getting menstrual products. In your opinion, what's the best way to bridge access to pads? So I definitely feel like the best solution is obviously for our government to provide free menstrual hygiene products and for, you know, period education to be implemented into school curriculums. But as of right now, unfortunately, we are not at that point right now. But I think putting dispensers inside of school bathrooms is a really good starting off point. In America right now, you can sometimes go to the nurse's office to get period products, but no girl should have to go to the nurse's office just to get a period product or a pad. They should be readily and easily accessible in the bathroom. The nurse's office is, you know, where you go when you get sick. You're not sick when you have your period. It's something completely normal. And they should be available in bathrooms, just like soap and paper towels are free and available. I also think that having dispensers in school bathrooms allows you to reach a greater audience of youth because, you know, everyone goes to school there. And if you're struggling to get period products at home, you can always take it from the school and bring it home. Um, 
So you're so inspiring. It's <laughs> so nice to just like listen to somebody who has so much passion and you just remind me it doesn't matter about like age has nothing to do with it. It's about what drives you and what what's the passion and the fire under your belly. Who is your role model? Who inspires you to keep going? Honestly, my mom and my dad, my parents have been so supportive on my journey. They're always pushing me, you know, don't the sky's the limit. Don't stop here. Always keep pushing further. Mm. I love it. So we do this thing where with every guest, we give them an imaginary billboard. So we're giving you one and you're going to have an advertisement here. And in this advert, I want you to inspire somebody who's just like you, who is passionate about something. It could be period poverty. It could be anything. What advice, what would be the quote that they would look and be like, yes. Ooh, summing it up to one sentence. (laughs) Um, You can give us three if you have many. Honestly, just like, don't be afraid to go out there and make a difference. You don't need to do this big thing to make a difference. You don't need to impact thousands of girls just to make a difference. Impacting one girl's life is enough. Start somewhere. Don't Mm -hmm. be scared. Yeah, again, I think a lot of youth want to make a change, but that starting point, they're just too scared of where to start. Mm. And it's about the first step. Yeah. Not that, not that like, reach yes. the top. Once you start the steps, everything else will figure itself out. I get it. I wish you nothing but the best. And I really look forward um, to seeing how your journey comes together. And thank you for gracing us. Like, I'm, no. I'm, I am, I'm speechless. <laughs> I am very rarely speechless. Yeah. I am on it, on it. And it, I, yeah Uh, for me i was like uh the power of social media and something my friend told me last night you never know who's watching exactly you know i don't know how you came across heels for pads i don't know how you got to learn about us but the power of social media is real here we are continents apart and sitting in this room advocating for one thing that we are very passionate about so it's such an honor having you on our podcast and also i hope in the future we'll be able to come back and do a drive uh we you know global girls and heels for pads and your granddad can give us money yes yes <laughs> Anya, you have been so amazing. Like the girls have said, at 16, you are so, so well-spoken. And we just know from here, your future is very, very bright. I think you're an inspiration, not only to young people, but to grown women like us. Um, So tell us, where can we connect with you? If people want to connect to you and find out what you're doing, your mission, and keep along with your journey, how do we find you online? Best way would be through Instagram. The handle is global.gi. And from there, you can DM us if you have any questions, want to collaborate, anything like that. And you can always follow what we've been doing. Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure talking to you and overreacting with you. Definitely my ovaries are like cooking and up in here. Um, and for those who have been listening, I want to do thank you once again for listening to the Overreact podcast, which has been recorded at Coffee Studios. It's a place we recommend if you are into content creating, wanting to create a podcast like we are, or even video content, please come and check it out. Um, you can interact and engage with us also uh, by following us at SisterSpeaks254 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Ask yourself this question. What can I do today to support menstrual health work? I love it. And make sure that you tune in every Monday from 10.30 p.m. East African time on Capital FM. And also subscribe on our platforms at SoundCloud on Capital FM Kenya page. And also follow us at the Sister Speaks Global podcast platforms on Apple, Spotify, Google and Anchor. And uh, parting shot, what is one thing that we can all do every day to end period poverty? 
in Africa. In Africa. Or globally. And around the world. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We've learned so much uh, from you. And we hope in the future we'll be able to do, you know, a drive in Kenya and we can learn you, the way you interact with girls back in the States. Uh, so you've been listening to the Overreact podcast, a space where we openly ask the tough questions on navigating life with ovaries to trigger change and advance gender equality. So uh, for me, I'll leave you with this question. What's one thing that we can do all every day as global period activists to end period poverty. You've been listening to your girl, Monica Mohoya. You've been listening to Lush Angela. And you're listening to your girl, Angela Wamboy. And of course, ladies, let's overreact. overreact.